0: Welcome to The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travelers, and dreamers. It's a show about letting go of the rope, so to speak, and what happens when you do. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to go back to the beginning, all the way to episode one, and join us for the whole journey. There are a lot of great episodes in the past that you just shouldn't miss. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are joined by a famous author, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Yeah, he's here in person. He's sitting right next to us. Back from the dead. Um, Now, this is the weird thing about him, though. He sounds exactly like Tiffany. Wow. That's that's an incredible compliment. Turns out that when he came back to life, he took on Tiffany's voice. So we're going to read or sorry. Nathaniel's going to say part of what he wrote after being in Rome. Yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna (laughs) read I'm gonna read this
1: incredible quote. I'm gonna read part of it and then I'll I'll read the second half in a little bit. It's a quote from the Marble Fawn. I'll just start right in. It's it's kind of a very long run-on sentence, but...
0: That was popular back in the day. Yeah. yeah.
1: When we have once known Rome and left her where she lies like a long-decaying corpse, retaining a trace of the noble shape it was, but with accumulated dust and a fungus growth overspreading all its more admirable features, left her in utter weariness, no doubt, of her narrow, crooked, intricate streets, so uncomfortably paved with little squares of lava that to tread over them is a penitential pilgrimage, so indescribably ugly, moreover so cold, so alley-like, into which the sun never falls, and where a chill wind forces its deadly breath into our lungs, left her, tired of the sight of those immense seven-storied yellow-washed hovels, or call them palaces, where all that is dreary in domestic life seems magnified and multiplied, and weary of climbing those staircases which ascend from a ground floor of cookshops, cobbler's stalls, stables, and regiments of cavalry, to a middle region of princes, cardinals, and ambassadors, and an upper tier of artists, just beneath the unattainable sky left her, worn out with a shivering at the cheerless and smoky fireside by day, and feasting with our own substance the ravenous population of a Roman bed at night, left her, sick at heart of Italian trickery, which has uprooted whatever faith in man's integrity had endured till now. And we're going to leave
0: it. There for a second, but we're going to come back. It's not the end of the, the sentence; it's, it's cut halfway in the middle of the sentence. Yeah, so I'm going to drop the pretense that Nathaniel Hawthorne's actually here. Do you know when that was? When oh, it was written? Yeah, or thereabouts, um, 1860 or thereabouts. See, what struck me is interesting when you first read me that quote just moments before I turned on the tape recorder. Was how much of that is still true? That's one of those things about an ancient city, an ancient city with things that were built some of them almost 2000 years ago or more more that are still standing it stands to reason that a lot wouldn't have changed but the cobblestone streets the pietrini the little uh, lava blocks are still there the yellow walls that are molding the long walk-ups where there's no elevator (laughs) in a building where you have to walk seven stories all of these things still existing today italian trickery also existing yes that is
1: omnipresent and also that sometimes when you're walking downtown it can be a sunny day but the streets are so narrow you can never find a place like so many times on a sunday afternoon we're looking for a place to eat in the sun like on a spring day the sun is out
0: but we can't find a table in the sun anywhere it's so true like little tiny narrow alleyways and every now and then you turn a corner and the wind just like whips straight through the alleyway and it's so true in fact. So I don't know if this is an episode about the negative aspects of Rome or even the negative aspects of living in a older city which many of you do. But maybe it is because just the other day we were walking, you and I were out walking and we were talking about the cobblestone streets and the fact that because of the terrible weather Rome had that they're even more in disrepair than they might otherwise be. And I had asked Tiffany the question, what is it going to take? How long are they going to commit to this, you know, when the rest of the world is saying, you know, this is busting tires, breaking ankles, ruining shoes, let's go a different route. When is that going to happen? And it may never happen. But what we were getting at was the inconvenience of some of these ancient things that are just what the city is.
1: I think in some cases, those are what people love about it. Like I think people love cobblestones because they're picturesque. You see them in so many old cities. So
0: I'm not really with you on the cobblestone thing. Well, I don't think they should be taken away either, but I don't live here all the time. That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't have to deal with them. I know. To me, they're
1: the trouble is worth the charm that they bring to the city. But no, I think that the line that hits me in this is, that's not even a line, it's just a few words. It's the long decaying corpse. It's like describing Rome as a long decaying corpse. It's very vivid. It's a pretty good description in some ways. Yeah, I mean, it's a very well-preserved corpse, and it was a pretty amazing body in its day. <laughs> but what you said after, right after I read you this quote, um, the first time you said, it's interesting to think that if you live in Rome, you're living in a city that all of its glory is in the past, and it'll never
0: be what it once was. Yeah, and even the things that were built later, the things from the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s, also... There's a precedent already set. Those things are maybe magnificent now, but they too will start to wear away, at least from a historical standpoint. It being the center of the universe, it being where people come to thrive, that's all behind it. The days of it influencing the entire world is gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rome was not just in ancient times, but in the 1600s, it was where all the artists went. It was such a huge, important part of culture, of world culture, or at least Western culture. And today, it's completely obsolete. It's not relevant anymore. There are, of course, some great artists who are here, but this isn't where you go if you're an artist. This isn't where you go if you're a musician. It's just not relevant anymore, and it's sad. And
0: It might be where you go to get inspired. That's... It's not where you're going to go to explode out of. Yes, exactly.
1: And I think a lot of writers do come to Rome and have, I mean, famously, they came to Rome in the 1800s and early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Lord Byron and Keats and Shelley and Goethe, you know, they all lived here at least a time. And Nathaniel Hawthorne, clearly.
0: (laughs) Louise May May Alcott. Oh, really? You gave me a quote by her. I assume she at least spent some some time here to be able to coin a quote that's memorable. I believe she said something about being ruined by Rome forever. We've talked about it in this show before. It was a long time ago. I'll look it up while you talk. I don't know if any of you guys have seen the film, The Great
1: Beauty, La Grande Bellezza*, which won the Foreign Film Oscar about four or five years ago now. It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. It's a beautiful ode to Rome. There's some amazing cinematography that captures the city in a beautiful way. And there's some sights in the city that are not necessarily the most picture postcard places, beautiful places, but not the, the biggest icons of the city that are really showcased in that movie. But the deeper meaning behind the movie is not, oh my gosh, Rome is this great beauty and Rome is this gorgeous place, which it is, but it's that the glory is in the past. And the the protagonist of the film is an older man who's had a kind of great life and has had a lot of success in his life. But he is a metaphor for the city, or the city is a metaphor for him. I don't know which. But he is someone who is desperately trying to hang on to the height of his life, and he's trying to hang on to the his glory days, but they're gone, and it's clear that they're gone.
0: And the same is true for Rome. It's a glorious city, but the glory is in the past. So, Louisa May Alcott, her quote is way better than I just gave it credit for. She says... Rome took all the vanity out of me. For after seeing the wonders there, I felt too insignificant to live and gave up all my foolish hopes in despair. Wow. Now, that's pretty (laughs) depressing. I hope that's not true. But I believe what you had told me about it before was that Rome took all the vanity out of you. That's a separate quote than uh, what we're actually talking about, though. Yeah, It's interesting because when you look at Rome historically, and I'm not a Roman historian, but I've done a few interviews on the matter, when you look at his, it historically, and as you well know, is that from an archaeological standpoint, nobody gave a darn about the archaeological heritage of Rome until relatively recent years, when people started taking an interest in archaeology, which you would think they were had all along, but they really didn't. You know, They only had it for, what, I don't even know, 200 years?
1: Probably more like... <sighs> 300 they the 1700 early 1700s was kind of when archaeology became popular and they started to preserve stuff instead of just even 100 years earlier well 150 years earlier in the 1500s they're like Oh, look at this ancient palace. I'm just gonna take all the marble off and use it for my building.
0: Like, nobody's using this marble. I need to build a wall but <laughs> but yeah and and it's kind of interesting that for that turn, because besides Rome's deep history and that it's the origin of so many things, if it hadn't been preserved, these archaeologists hadn't stepped in. What is Rome today but a place? to come visit the history that formed modern civilization. So it's like if the history hadn't been preserved, it might even be more of a rotting corpse than it was back in the day. It might have just been stories about the origin of humanity in the modern times.
1: Yeah, I think when you hear Rome described how Rome was in the Middle Ages or just at the very beginning of the Renaissance, we wouldn't be able to recognize it. All of the monuments, with the exception of places like the Colosseum, that are just enormous. You know when you walk through Rome and you see like four or five columns sticking up, this little bit of a, a, a
0: fragment of a like building. A fr-
1: yeah, a fragment of an ancient temple. That didn't survive like that. Like someone put that back together. It wasn't like standing all that time. The obelisks were knocked down. They were put back together and re-erected. So even what we see, which is just a ghost of the city, just this very little idea of what ancient Rome was like. Even that was all buried and hidden in the thirteen, fourteen hundreds. And Rome was a backwater. It was not in that in-between period. There was, I mean, it was much more of a decaying corpse than it even is today. Would you be interested in seeing what it was like back then? Oh my God, if I could time travel, oh my God, I would, Ugh. Oh like my biggest fantasy is to time travel. And I would go to all times. Well, that's not true. I wouldn't go to the future. But I would definitely want to like see medieval Rome for sure. But what I think about when I read this quote, when I read it the first time several years ago was just there's so many of us expats who come to Rome and who live here and are drawn to be here. And why is that? I mean. Nobody loves Rome more than me. Um, <laughs> None of you. No, no, I'm, I'm quoting someone who always says, nobody respects women more than me. Mm. No, sorry, didn't mean to go there. Um, but <laughs> I don't want to say nobody lo- loves Rome more than me because obviously that's not possible. But I adore Rome and I think Rome is beautiful. But sometimes I do stop and think, what are so many of us doing here? So many of us Americans and Brits or people in you know, other expats we don't come here because there's such so much work. It's not like Dubai, you know, or even London, where you go because there's just great work and good salaries. That's not the reason. Why are so many of us drawn here and stay here? That kind of brings me to the second half of the quote. Should I read the second half? Sure. So do you remember the first half? So
0: I, did, I just want to throw in one thought on that, though. Yeah. That's an interesting question. It's an interesting thought because I feel like I've been here... For a while now. And I feel like I do keep having conversations because I'm reuniting with you and we're producing this show. But at the same point, I'm also reuniting with people I knew four years ago when I first came here, when this show first began. And I've been asking those people, how do you feel about it now? What has changed now? And not everybody, but quite a few that I've encountered, particularly some of the ones that were newish like I was new but now have actually stayed here steadily for four years they are all sort of reflecting that wearing off of the patina they still understand why it's a remarkable city but they're starting to feel more like why am I here again it's so hard it's also that question of what brings us all here but what also keeps you here Because like you said, and like we've talked about in the show before, it's very hard to make a living here. You can get a job as an expat, but you probably aren't going to be making as much as you would be somewhere else. So you're making a choice to be here. And so it is that kind of ongoing question. And it's just a question I keep encountering with the people I'm meeting of when do you pull the plug and that hesitation that lasts for years and years and years where you want to pull the plug, but you just can't.
1: I know. I can't. I don't know if I have anything to add to that because you just described it so well. It's, it's a kind of an addictive place. And I don't even know why it's so addictive, but it's like an abusive relationship. (laughs) There's so many negative things about it, but you just can't seem to leave. And the city can wear you down. We don't, I don't want to be too negative today. I like,
0: love the, the idea of roaming <laughs> an abusive relationship, though, <laughs> yeah. because it's like I just broke my ankle on this cobblestone. Oh, I just got yelled at by this cabbie. Oh, I can't seem to figure out how to where to buy this stupid product that I can find anywhere else in the world oh. so easily. And then you go, Oh, I've never noticed that lion carved into the side of that building before. <laughs>
1: oh my- <laughs> you're so true i've never seen that before As if that makes up for everything else is that like one little base relief ancient base relief makes up for the fact that you can't take a cab without being ripped off you can't go shopping in the middle of the day because all the stores are closed <laughs> you know you can't count on the stores to be open when they say they're open you can't find an apartment that will give you a legal
0: contract when the umbrellas come out you're going to get hit in the face with other people's umbrellas multiple times.
1: Yeah, you won't be able to walk down the street because people are going to take up the entire sidewalk.
0: And those windy, narrow, dark, filled alleyways that Nathaniel Hawthorne is talking about.
1: Yeah, and you won't be able to find a job. And if you do find a job, they might try to like not pay you. And there's going to be mold in your
0: bathroom. You <laughs> work full time and barely be able to pay for anything.
1: Yeah, and your apartment will be, Totally collapsing, and it'll be like more than your your rent bill will be more than your salary. Full of mold. If you want to go to the supermarket, you're gonna have to pay 15 cents for every single bag for your groceries, and they will rip to shreds before you are out of the supermarket. (laughs) (laughs) It's true; they're not worth much,
0: but they are biodegradable. They're
1: combustible, as we talked about in a previous episode, (laughs) as well as being come. What is it? compostable and combustible
0: weird gross side note before we turn back to Nathaniel Hawthorne the fact that most people in fact none of you listening unless you're maybe in my immediate family like Derek know that well Tiffany knows but that we had a terrible mold problem in our shower when we lived here in Rome terrible and we tried to do everything we could to stop it and batten it back and it just kept growing and growing Long story short though, Tiffany, at one point you said, when we were fighting this battle, and I said, oh God, this has got to be so terrible for us. And you said, yeah, this is a problem with Rome. Sometimes it just gets like into your skin too, or like into your, I forget how you said it, but this is a problem here. And I went away and eventually because of that mold and because of Rome, I lost a toenail. I mean, it's coming back. To this day, it's still, it's still growing back now. It had to go through the whole dying process of whatever got into it. Uh, Derek and I used to joke, this is the real souvenir that we brought back from home is <laughs> whatever it is from that moldy shower that's killing your toenail off right now. Yeah, I, I did not know
1: that, um, and I'm sorry. I really didn't want to know that. I didn't, I didn't um, but I had my own mold problem in an apartment I lived in years ago. The bathroom was so moldy, I think it was worse than yours. Like the walls were gray, all of the walls, not just like black, not just the ceiling, like everywhere. I started breaking out and not on my face, but like in certain areas. And I was like, no, I was like, (laughs) like, I know this. (laughs) Like my legs particularly. And I thought this is weird. Like I have a pimple on my leg. Like, what is this about? But they didn't go away in like four or five days. Like a pimple will go away in four or five days, but it looked exactly like a pimple. Anyways, long story short, I'm going to spare you any gory details. It wasn't that gory, but I finally went to a a pediatrician. (laughs) (laughs) She still sees her pediatrician. (laughs) I went to a dermatologist. And he said, this is a mold infection inside your hair follicles. And that's what I must have meant when I said it can get into your skin. I might not have wanted to tell you the, the whole story, but I had a razor that must have gotten mold on it. And I shaved my legs and... The mold must have gotten inside some some of my hair follicles. And it's just like, oh my God, thanks, Rome. This
0: stuff is real. (laughs) We are losing hair follicles and toenails over this. I wouldn't mind losing some hair follicles, to be honest.
1: (laughs) Just like they can just go away. (laughs) But I don't want them to get infected. But yeah, I mean, there's... People don't want to tell you about the negative side. And I mean, I'm not one to dwell on the negative, as you all know. And I can wax poetic about Rome until the cows come home. No cows in Rome. <laughs> not a lot anyway, maybe not in, maybe in the outskirts, but you're right. It is really like an abusive relationship and <laughs> it, it can just screw you and screw you and screw you. And you just kind of keep coming back for more because there's something about this city that just that people get addicted to and people I mean not everyone some people are like finally like get me out of this hellhole, and they leave I mean not that I think Rome is a hellhole don't get me wrong but I can see how it can push people to feel like that and you have to be incredibly resilient and have a lot of stamina to be able to live
0: in the city long term mm-hmm. or you just have to be you know masochistic <laughs> one of the two I mean that's the thing there is just so much to learn and so much beauty that it's almost like you can flip back and forth all day long Hence the abusive relationship, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Which maybe colors the end of this Nathaniel Hawthorne quote in a very different way if he is indeed another human in an abusive relationship <laughs> with Rome. I will read it now. Let me find. We were thinking that this would be a really beautiful poetic ending, but now we have a whole different thought on the matter. But let's find out. All right. So where was I? Let's see. We're skipping part of this. So if you want to hear, see this whole quote, visit the notes section on the podcast website the or wherever you're listening okay so
1: when you have left her crushed down in spirit by the desolation of her ruin and the hopelessness of her future left here in short hating her with all our might and adding our individual curse to the infinite anathema which her old crimes have unmistakably brought down When we have left Rome in such a mood as this, we are astonished by the discovery, by and by, that our heartstrings have mysteriously attached themselves to the Eternal City, and are drawing us thitherward again, as if it were more familiar, more intimately our home than even the spot where we were born. Should we leave it
0: there? scene. (laughs) Clap of thunder, bolt of lightning.
1: I mean, when I first read this quote, I was I incredibly um, identified with it because I, I had been in Rome for a good seven or eight years by that time. And I did have all of the sort of negative, the negative sides of it. They were present in my life. Yes. But I still had that love of it and felt that sense of belonging here.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and also one of the things I love about Rome the most in the, that he indicates in what he writes there is that he adds these curses and this hatred in a pile of curses and hatred that have come before him and part of what i really love about this city is i've never thought about the piles of curses and hatred before but that you can walk to these ancient sites and think how many thousands of people have stood here and been inspired prior to me so it's like you add your hat to the pile of hats outside the pantheon or something like that your your footsteps i guess would make more sense your feet on the cobblestones outside of the pantheon or your feet on the paving stones that the roman army marched on and that thousands hundreds of thousands of people have been there before and i've always thought about that but now i have this new perspective of the things that you hate are. quite possibly the same things that Caravaggio is complaining about and and all these other things. Maybe not traffic, but certainly windy alleyways in the rain. Actually, you'd be surprised. There's a quote. There's an ancient Roman quote by
1: a writer writing back in the day in ancient Roman times. He's literally complaining about the traffic. I mean, yes, it wasn't motorized traffic, but it was very traffic-y. And we should pause and I'll try to find that quote because it's amazing. Should I try? Sure. Let's see if I can find it. We paused and I found the quote I was thinking about. This is Juvenal. Insomnia causes most deaths here. Show me the apartment that lets you sleep. In this city, sleep costs millions and that's the root of the trouble. The wagons thundering past through those narrow, twisting streets. The oaths of draymen caught in a traffic jam would rouse a dozing seal or an emperor. He actually uses the word traffic jam. Who, who knew that traffic jam was a What year are we
0: in here? Second century AD. So there you go. So we now know that possibly the term traffic jam was coined in the second century AD. I know. That's insane. That's very go.: Yeah. And actually, if you look him up, he's got endless complaints <laughs> about Rome. <laughs> we can't read them all here. But, uh, but I should put this site on our website. So I will. Shelby Brown, writing in June 2012, wrote an article called The Seven Plagues of the Ancient Roman City Dweller, and it's all him complaining about different aspects of Roman life. So, yes, I will uh, I will post that as well.
1: Sea traffic was an issue back then, too.
0: Yes. <laughs> so we should leave it there. I'm going to claim that we've coined the idea that living in Rome is like an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to explore there. A lot to explore there. We'll unpack that and we'll look inside ourselves and see why why we would be spending so much time in such a city. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life in Rome. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join Thank us you. again. Bye. Thanks for being with us. If you're taking a trip to Rome sometime soon, don't forget that Tiffany is an excellent tour guide. You can find out more information and even book her on a tour. Just visit tiffany-parks.com. That's tiffany-parks.com. And if you have any trouble finding it, just send us an email at bittersweetlife@mail.com, And we'll get you connected.